You have come to the right place. Hope you love America. Hope you're tired of the same thing all day, every day. Bringing you a different point of view. Bringing you the right point of view. From an everyday American. Recorded all over. No agenda, just America. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Eric's America. I am glad to uh, still be here. Still be here. Um, everything, uh, I guess it's getting colder just about everywhere. Uh, getting too cold here for me. Um, <laughs> I need to get back on the road and get somewhere in the south working. Um, doesn't look like, like that's going to happen, at least not till after the new year. So, hey, doing what we can with what we've got. Uh, real quick, I'll just get this out of the way to start with. Uh, tell everybody to uh, rate and review uh, any place that you're listening. Uh, rate it. Four stars helps a lot. The, Of course, the review doesn't matter all that much. You can say whatever you want, but the rating does matter. Um, and please uh, send us messages. Let us know what you think or let me know. I should. I got to stop saying us. There is not an us. There is a me. Um, let me know what you think of, uh, how we're doing here and the subjects we cover that I cover. See, it's hard not to do telling you, um, the subjects I cover and, or just what you think about the show. It's, uh, message me directly on Facebook or email me directly on Eric's at Eric's America pod. All one word, no punctuation at Gmail. Eric's America pod at Gmail gets directly to me. I'll be reading it. And, uh, that's one of the easiest ways or directly message me on Facebook. Either way, let friends, family, anybody you think would like it, let them know. We'll get the word out. More people listening, the more people can become enlightened, which is the, the purpose of all this. So, um, there is some election updates. I'll go through them really, really quick. Cause this is going to be a long episode. Two of my least favorite presidents, and there is a list. Trust me, I have a list of least favorite presidents. And two of them I'll be uh, discussing today with the uh, part four of the most destructive force in America. Two of the most prominent ones that did irreparable damage to our country, which uh, arguably we've never truly recovered from at least one of them. Um probably both. I don't think we've ever recovered from either one of them. Uh, terrible human beings. Um, but the election stuff that's coming up, if you didn't see it over the weekend, you need to go search it out. I wish I had video on this show right now because I would show the video of the uh, crazy election stuff going on in Georgia. The video that came out that was uh, pretty interesting. And of course, the debunking of it is very interesting where they said, no, it's fine. I mean, they were just ballots under a table that they waited till everybody left and then they pulled them out and started counting them. Nothing to see here, guys. Um, and yes, that was the infamous uh, water break. So that's interesting. Uh, they're starting the audits on the voting machines, and that's one of the big reasons. I want to push all this to Thursday because the audit of the voting machines, they've already started doing some of it. Some of it came out uh, Sunday night um, that said uh, they are they were running them through in one county in Georgia, and I've got to get to the bottom of this. But basically, the report is, as of right now, 
they just took a stack of the exact same number of Trump votes and Biden votes, and they just ran them through the tabulators as part of their audit. And after they ran the exact same amount, they did it several times to make sure they got the same result. But every time it came out 26% for Biden, even though the exact same number of ballots went through the tabulators. Now, I have not confirmed that yet. But that is the word that I got uh, Sunday uh, on some uh, internet uh, internet messaging things uh, there that I saw. Um, so want to track that down. Uh, the video uh, has come out. Of course, they found you know have video of people uh, passing uh, passing thumb drives. And then uh, I saw this morning, or not this morning, yesterday morning. Yeah, yesterday morning. So a very interesting uh, video of uh, a lady from Georgia, Gwinnett County or Fulton County. One of the two. I think it's Fulton County. Uh, anyway, she's uh, making a video, which is really stupid, by the way. By the way, it really helps if you're going to do this. I mean, it's really gl- I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad these people aren't that bright. OK, I'm, I'm really glad of it because if these people were really smart, uh, it would take years and years and years to uh, get to the bottom of this. Luckily, we're not dealing with people that are hyper intelligent. So they like to make private videos and put them on the Internet. Hmm. Why does that seem like a bad idea? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe because it's really hard to keep it private when you share it with the world. But anyway, this lady was nice enough to share with the world her going into work and uh the first thing she says she hadn't been to work in five days because she didn't want to work but now she's in there today and she's gonna get some work done she's going to work and she goes into work and she sets down and they bring her big trays of absentee ballots and she goes boy i got a lot of work to do today got to get all these filled out lines and lines of black blank ballots in blank envelopes yeah <laughs> she's getting some work done That'll be interesting. I believe we call that prison. Yes, uh, where you get to work really hard for, um, let me tell you, a lot less money. So anyway, all that, we're going to delve into all that and what's going on with rulings and everything else. Thursday, I know this past Thursday I did about an hour. Probably do the same thing this Thursday. That's just how it's going to go for right now. I'm going to get into the most destructive force in America. You know, I need a stinger for that. I should have came up with a great intro stinger for beginning this uh, these uh, multi-part shows. Hmm. See, not doing my job well enough. You can message me and tell me that. <laughs> it's very well warranted. I wasn't doing my job well enough. So anyway, we left off last time basically with the Civil War. And uh, what I kind of feel like was the beginning of the deep state. Um, and it really was. You know, people just... You know, basically working as hard as they could inside the government in conspiracy with people outside the government to make sure that things did not run smoothly, which ultimately costs a lot of American lives and costs a lot of us the money we are being forced to give to the government as taxes. Yes, you can tell by the way I said that, that I don't uh, find a lot of good things about taxation. Yes, puts me more in the libertarian category with that, but I can't help it. I mean, it's one thing. It's the same as anybody else. You're loaning or helping somebody out with money, right? Somebody's, you know, whatever it be, a family member or or really close friend that's having a hard time, and you're 
you're trying to help them out, get through a hard time. And you just see them going out and just blowing it on whatever. And they come back and say, hey, can we have some more? I mean, I'm really in a hard spot. And you see them go right out and do something stupid again. Well, that's what the U.S. government has been doing <laughs> for a hell of a lot of decades. And they keep coming back saying, well, we need a little more. We need some more. I mean, we really got to do all this great stuff. And then, you know, they go drop it on the tarmac in Iran to uh, pay off the mullahs who are chanting death to America while we drop our tax dollars in their airport to pay them off. For what reason? Eh, so they won't hurt us. Well, it works just as well with a uh, missile, I believe. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> Anyhow. So we're moving on. We got past the Civil War era. And we're moving to the next uh, very destructive American president. Ah, he wasn't that destructive. It was Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland. Um, <clears throat> Grover Cleveland was uh, just inept, pretty much. Um, he was a uh, draft dodger in the Civil War. And how he achieved that was basically they would allow, if you had the means... You could then pay a replacement to show up and fight for you in your place if you were drafted. And that's exactly what Grover Cleveland did. He found a Polish immigrant, uh, one George Brinsky, to take his place. And he made an agreement with him to pay him 300 bucks. Now, you know, now, I mean, people hear that number go, I mean, that's nothing. Uh, it was quite a bit more then than it is now, but still um, probably not much. 300 bucks and he didn't even give it to him all up front and that's that's how you really know you're dealing with a true democrat uh wouldn't even give him the full 300 bucks up front uh for going to war for him uh gave him 150 and told him hey, once you come back uh you get 150 i have to say this guy wasn't too bright because i'm not going to war knowing that there's a damn good chance i'm not coming back to get my other 150 so Personally, I'm taking the 300 up front. Just saying. I just want to be a little smarter about it. Uh, and in true uh, Democratic style, um, he just never paid him the other 150 And uh, the guy went on for years, uh, basically, from poorhouse to poorhouse, while Grover Cleveland, who was an attorney, uh, eventually ascended to President of the United States and apparently never paid the man the other 150 bucks he owed him. Go figure. Go figure doesn't isn't real surprising uh memorial day <clears throat> 1887 of course they initiated memorial day to remember the civil war dead um and since grover cleveland decided to pay somebody else and didn't even fully pay them to go and fight for him i guess he wasn't a big uh you know big supporter of memorial day plus being a democrat and of course, being aligned with the Confederacy, he wasn't too uh, hip to the idea anyway. So he just, uh, you know, went ahead and went fishing. So um, he wasn't <clears throat> exactly a um, upstanding citizen who went and did his uh, presidential duties. I can't imagine what would happen if a, uh, a American president today decided to blow off something like that. But hey, he got away with it. Um, he served two terms, but they were not consecutive. That is the one thing that everybody kind of remembers about Grover Cleveland, mostly because he was pretty much just unremarkable. He didn't do a whole lot. He uh, really didn't come up with anything except for terrible ideas like, uh, I mean, this would be a definite uh, kind of oh, uh, Obama-Biden uh, 
kind of uh, theory or idea to float. He floated the idea of returning the Confederate uh, battle flags that had been uh, that had been captured by the Union Army during the Civil War, uh, returning them to their home in the South, and seeing as how most Americans found that uh, extremely extremely offensive uh after a while he decided to drop it um his uh, first term was 85 to 89 and uh that was with uh, thomas Hendricks, and then uh he was re-elected in 1893 till 1897 and that's when he was uh his vice president was adlai stevenson who uh kind of got uh, pretty famous by uh, firing 40,000 postmasters all over the country uh, because they were Republicans. And he fired them and hired good, loyal Democrats to run the post office. Um, seems like uh, seems like that trend has uh, panned out for... Uh, it seems like that's been an ongoing trend for a very long time. I guess it was a precedent that he set because uh, apparently uh, a lot of the postmasters and postmaster generals for many years now are very aligned with the Democratic Party. Isn't that weird? Um, It's very, very odd. But other than that, um, he just didn't do a whole hell of a lot. So, not a real remarkable man. The next Democrat to take office in 1913 is uh, one of the two that I'm going to talk about today that are definitely uh, some of the biggest embarrassments and biggest scars on American history. It's kind of funny that most, uh, that it seems like all these people who are not only controversial, but just terrible, terrible human beings. I don't think it's an accident that they're all Democrats, but Hey, who am I? I have an opinion. Excuse me for that. Definitely a horrible, horrible human being. So Woodrow Wilson, elected in 1913 and uh, was in office till 1921. We're going to talk about it here in a minute, but he didn't quite make it to the end of his term, even though um, it wasn't uh, exactly well known then. It comes out many years later, but uh, he didn't quite make it to the end. Um, <clears throat> we'll say it should say... Uh, Woodrow Wilson, 1913 to 1920. Uh, that should be more accurate. Uh, he was not president the last bit of his uh, administration. <clears throat> and he was the beginning of the progressive era, as what it's uh, proclaimed. And as always, it's always been the regressive era. Progressive era is uh, such a misnomer. Just the way progressive has always been uh, a very subversive term to use because it exudes the idea of progressives being, Oh, we're going to pursue progress. We're doing something good. We're doing something new. We're moving forward. None of those things are true. You want to know prominent, prominent progressives, Hitler, Mussolini. uh, Those are prominent progressives along with several others. We're going to talk about like Woodrow Wilson, uh, these people are not interested in moving uh, anything forward in a good way. Um, many people uh, use, you know, like later on with the Great Society and all these just garbage terms, propaganda terms to make things seem great while you're 
literally trying to kill as many people as possible because you just don't like people. Yes, he was the beginning of the progressive era. Uh, the beginning of the true hatred of conservatives. Wilson was the first uh, first iteration of the uh, what I like to call the Obama Democrats who are, they just hate the other side. It's not about having different ideology. It's not about finding common ground. It's literally being so far left, which Wilson was, so far left, so bigoted, such a horrible human being that you just hate the other side and you choose every instance to um, uh, to attack them any way possible. Uh, even though he looked pretty respectable, I mean, he was a tyrant, a thug, a bigot, and truly just a garbage human being. Um, and he was one of the biggest racist bigots that... Um, in prominent life. Uh, some of his great quotes. Now, he wrote some books. Um, I'm sure there's been a lot of Democrats since him that have read these books. <sighs> Just a horrible person. It says, The competent leader of men cares little for the internal niceties of other people, people's characters. He cares much everything for the external uses for which they may be put. He supplies the power. Others supplies, supply only the material upon which the power operates. It's the power which dictates, dominates the materials yield. Men are only clay in the hands of a competent leader. I guess that uh, pretty much says all uh, that you need to, need to ever know about uh, Woodrow Wilson. He wanted to be a dictator. He thought dictators were great, and people, especially the masses, were nothing more than tools. They were meant to be used and lorded over and dominated and told what to do. Exactly. And if that just clicked in your head and said, oh, that's Barack Obama and Joe Biden and all these retarded progressives today. Yes, it is. That's where they get it from. It's the school of dictatorship. Um, and this is the first guy to really be vocal about it and say, hey, this is what I think. I think I'm better than everybody. I think I got this office because I should be dictating to everybody how they live, the minutia of everyday life. And the people in America, pff, you're not individuals. You're not free. You're just clay. You're just tools for me to use to enrich myself and my uh, party. Yes. And you'll have to excuse me today. I will be taking drinks through this because it is going to dry my throat out. There's a lot to cover. So, um, and he liked to attack, um, attack. He hated the constitution. Of course, as any good Democrat does, uh, you must, uh, you must hate the founding fathers as Aaron Burr did and Andrew Jackson and the long line of Democrats have always hated the founding fathers and founding documents. And so, and the first true attacks on conservatism and Jeffersonians and all that good stuff. Um, here's a quote. Uh, While we are followers of Jefferson, there is one principle of Jefferson Jefferson's which no longer can obtain in the practical politics of America. You know that it was Jefferson who said it best, said it, best government is that which as does as little governing as possible. But that time has passed. America is now is not now and cannot be in the future a place of unrestricted individual enterprise. 
<laughs> no, no. We wouldn't like people to have individual freedom and capitalism. That's terrible. Why would we want people to be free and to be able to own businesses? That's all government work. <clears throat> yeah, that's Wilson. He was truly, um, truly a terrible human being. Of course, he was a uh, the descendant of a slaveholding family in Virginia, supporter of the Confederacy, of course. Uh his family uh, was actually known to uh, be a place for wounded Confederate soldiers to come to seek refuge and get uh, medical treatment or what passed for medical treatment in the mid-1800s. Um, one of Wilson's first acts, taking over president in 1913, was to then institute segregation in the federal workforce. And one of his biggest opponents was a African-American, and I do call them African-Americans then. I shouldn't say they, but the the uh, African-Americans then were direct descendants of Africa. Or many were slaves that had just, were first generation from Africa. And I make that distinction because once the next generation is born in on American soil, you become an American. This is a very Democrat way of categorizing and separating all of us is the hyphen. Hispanic Americans, African Americans, this American, that American. No, we're just all Americans. But if you just came here from Africa, then fine, you're an African American. You came here and then, you know, unfortunately at that time against your will, and then you were provided freedom and, you know, so... There is a distinction for me there. After that, they're just black Americans. They're just Americans. So, you know, you got to make that distinction. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he wanted to segregate the workforce. And one of the uh, one of the people, which was a lady named Ida B. Wells, who fought him tooth and nail on this, who was a Republican, conservative, black American. And I think I've went on the rant already. The lady who wrote the uh, 1619 Project for the New York Times uses that as her Twitter handle as Ida B. Wells, which is absolutely uh, an abomination. And it just shows how ignorant she is of history, which obviously she is because she, uh, you know, she wrote a fake history. And then once people called her on it, she was like, well, it wasn't really a history. It was just my papers I was working on at home, my little fantasy stuff. Well, then why the... F why the hell is it turning into uh, teaching material? But anyway, Ida B. Wells fought him tooth and nail on this and wrote many, many papers about it. Um, many articles and papers trying to fight against his segregation of the federal workforce. So that was his big thing. And so he fired as many black Republicans because at that point, most Repu most most black Americans were Republicans. Obviously, party of Lincoln party of um party of um reconstruction party of uh you know emancipation uh, party of jeffersonian legacy of all men are created equal so obviously uh he he had to get rid of as many black republicans as possible within the government or appointed uh republican workers 
and replaced them with black Democrats, which actually at that point was pretty damn hard. There weren't many. There were a few, just the same as there were black slaveholders. There were black Democrats and, and blacks that fought for the South uh, in the Confederacy for whatever reason. And so it was actually harder than, uh, you know, it would be today. It started a uh, legacy that unfortunately uh, still comes today. Um, and he used the, this is just, this is just awful. It's just, it's just terrible. So the excuse he used for having to separate everyone, uh, they had to have separate bathrooms, separate water fountains, separate eating areas, separate cubicles. And his reasoning was it was for health reasons. It was health reasons because they all, and, and he said that everybody knew that, uh, blacks, uh, they had a lot of venereal disease that, uh, that others were going to catch if they didn't segregate them. So that was the ruse he used, uh, to then segregate, uh, segregate the federal workforce and then move on to segregating Washington DC, which had become, you know, very prominently black because of the years of reconstruction that of course the Republican party dominated all parts of government in Washington. They were the, the majority party for many years. And of course, because they instituted the policies of um, equality and equal working rights and equal pay rights, many, many freed slaves moved to Washington, D.C. to then work for the government. And many were, you know, there as senators and uh, congressmen that were elected through the Republican Party. And, of course, they had their staffs and the people that worked for them. And, of course, you know, at that time, many of those would have been black. So Washington, D.C. had become very black, uh, a large black population. So by segregating Washington, D.C. was... Uh, a huge, huge uh, move on his part and obviously um, went along with the black codes that, you know, were fought against through Reconstruction by Lincoln and by U.S. Grant and literally used the Insurrection Act to send the Union Army into many places in the South to fight uh, the implementation of the black codes later to be known as the Jim Crow Laws. Um, this was a problem the whole time. And of course, once they pulled the whole, uh, issue in 1877, the, um, <clears throat> compromise of 1877 and getting reconstruction ended, the, uh, Southern Democrats were free to be terrible, horrible bigots in all their cities and states, which was an absolute travesty and should have never happened. Compromise should have never been made, but that's for, um, that's a whole nother deal. But now we're getting back into um, segregating the North, which, of course, uh, Woodrow Wilson and segregated Washington, D.C. And that's probably as far north as segregation ever made it, which is strange because it's northern Virginia, technically southern Maryland, northern Virginia, of course. Um, but, yes, he segregated the federal workforce and Washington, D.C. He is um, perfect for Hollywood. Woodrow Wilson was perfect for Hollywood uh, because he was the first president to ever show a movie in the White House. Yes, he was the first 
first one to ever screen a moving picture in the White House was Woodrow Wilson gets that distinction. Hollywood should love him. And especially because he showed the timeless classic Birth of a Nation, the uh, wonderful Ku Klux Klan recruiting film uh, based on a book. Um, I forgot the man's name who wrote the book, but it was actually a friend of Woodrow Wilson because, I mean, when you're a huge bigot, and a horrible racist, I'm guessing you have to find other friends that are horrible bigots and racists. So, um, I guess that would make perfect sense. Um, he was an arrogant douchebag, uh, to say the least. Uh, of course you would. I mean, if you want to be dictator and you think you know better than everybody else how they should live their lives, of course you're going to be a egotistical maniac. Uh, in a 1914 interview right after, you know, the year after he was elected, uh, with the New York Times, which, of course, was, uh, you know, always on the side of the left. They've always been on the Democratic side. Um, and they supported uh, the mayor trying to um, secede from New York so they could, you know, help the Confederacy. In fact, some of the uh, founding members of the New York Times sent a lot of money and aid to the Confederacy to fight in the Civil War. So they've always been on the wrong side, I guess. Uh, but he gave a wonderful interview and a quote. He said, if colored people, yes, I'm quoting Woodrow Wilson, okay? So don't come at me with that. Uh, this is quoting Woodrow Wilson, the wonderful bigot. Uh, if colored people made a mistake in voting for me, well, they ought to correct it. Now, why is that an arrogant statement? Well, it's an arrogant statement because he supported the Ku Klux Klan, really gave them a revival, because a lot of the Ku Klux Klan had been diminished that had started you know, right after the Civil War because the Union Army had been sent into these places to break it up. The Justice Department had been created just to prosecute them by Ulysses S. Grant. And so they had really been diminished and kind of held back. Now, once the uh, 1877 Compromise took over and they cleared and stopped reconstruction and brought the union army out of course then they started to re uh, revive somewhat and Woodrow Wilson was a huge supporter and really kicking it into gear and uh they really really were excited in the south that they got a uh, uh another the southern democrats are really happy that they got a uh, democrat into the white house that loved the kkk as much as they did and uh so he knew that half the country at that point, there was no way, even though technically black Americans had the right to vote. This is something that needs to, needs to be um, corrected. During the years of Reconstruction, black Americans were giving, given equality. The Civil Rights Act that was then, you know, cemented in, you know, 18 or 1964, 13th, 14th and 15th amendments were actually put in the constitution during reconstruction. Just so happened that once the compromise of 1877 and you pulled the uh, troops out of the South, then they were free to then enact their state laws, which went against the 13th, 14th and 15th amendments, but they were federally there the whole time. So blacks were allowed to vote. Black Americans were allowed to vote. It was just the fact that they were highly discouraged from doing so because they would uh, enacted all the Jim Crow laws, which uh, one day we'll go over all those and how just 
uh, horrible it is. In fact, you know, they were actually far too racist even for Nazis. Uh, so congratulations, Democrats. You did a great job. You found a way to even be worse than the Nazis, which is hard to do, but you managed to do it. Whew, hard to do. Anyway, so he knew there was no way that they, they could change their mind at that point. I mean, the South was going to go for him no matter what. And the KKK was going to ensure that. So he could say whatever he wanted. It didn't matter. Um, and he was such a progressive. This is actually kind of a funny side note. Such a progressive, such a forward thinking man that he literally wanted to outlaw the automobile because he thought it was just he hated the automobile and he made all these crazy diatribes how it was going to kill so many people and it was just a horrible idea and he hated it and so he wanted to make it illegal to actually kill uh the automobile before it became so prominent um and being a socialist crazy that he was uh he hated it because rich people were the ones that owned them then and of course that really pissed him off um so yeah yeah, really brilliant. Uh, of course, I mean, the automobile never did anything for America, right? Sure it didn't. Okay. Um, he was really uh, the first, uh, I think I discussed part of this, the first to really start the uh, war on individual liberty and capitalism uh, that, you know, obviously continues on today and really wanted to cement government control through regulation. Um regulation and uh, bureaucracy to then regulate and control the economy. And that was uh, Wilson's uh, <clears throat> uh, one of his things. Another quote of his, no doubt a lot of nonsense has been talked about with the inalienable rights of the individual and a great deal that was mere sentiment and pleasing speculation has been put forward as fundamental principles. Yeah, he uh, basically... And he says, uh, he wrote, the true leader is one who uses masses of people like tools. Yeah, he uh, he said it was uh, that the inalienable rights and the uh, individual rights were just, I mean, it was just nice. You know, they were just trying to be nice and get people to go along with. They didn't really mean it. Nobody really means that. And that's literally his position on it. Um, like I said, there's a reason he's on my list of worst people in American history, um, along with several others. Um he just wow he won re-election in 1916 and his literal campaign phrase was he kept us out of the war okay so this is world war one it's kicking off and so you you know he wins re-election with that phrase saying hey he kept us out of the war people are happy about this they don't want to be bogged down i mean it hasn't been that far removed from the civil war people need to uh put that in perspective as well you're talking yeah it was like 40 years 50 years but still it's the most bloody war in american history because both sides were americans obviously and it was bloody and horrible and of course you know you're talking 50 years later 50 55 years later um there's many people that are alive that just went through that so getting people on board to get into another war is it's not exactly and especially if you aren't attacked okay that's the one thing people need to understand is if, you know, somebody attacks us, then you it's easier to get the sentiment of, yes, we need to go retaliate. But at this point, nothing had happened here. We had our own problems. We had our own issues to deal with. You know, 
really kicking off into the industrial age and really, uh, you know, starting our westward expansion is getting bigger and bigger with building. You know, we have the western expansion, but now we're really industrializing the world in a lot of ways. And uh, so people were happy. People were happy. People were not looking to get involved uh, into Europe's conflicts. And so that's how he won re-election. Say, hey, he kept us out of the war. All these other big major powers around the country, they're all over there killing each other, and we stayed out of it. Um, that's uh, That was a good sentiment. <laughs> that, that was sentiment. Yeah, his uh, line before about how inalienable, inalienable rights and all that individual freedom stuff was good sentiment. Um, no, actually, his campaign phrase was good sentiment because uh, he was reelected in November of 1916, inaugurated in March of 1917, and in April, he went to Congress to declare war on Germany. So, um, yeah, it didn't take him long. It took him a month, less than a month, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was, uh, it was like March 4th. He was uh, inaugurated in April 2nd. He went to Congress to declare war. Um, and there's a lot uh, that, that goes on with him. I There's a lot of people, and I kind of believe this as well, because he was a horrible bigot, because he was a terrible human being, and he wasn't just bigoted towards black Americans. Uh, he hated... Uh, he hated the Asian, all the Asian population. He just didn't like anybody that wasn't him, I guess. Uh, I mean, because he hated conservatives. He hated uh, Asian people. He hated black people. Uh, he just wasn't fond of anybody that wasn't a white Democrat. So that's, that's you know, Woodrow Wilson in a nutshell. And if you had a cool little white hood in the back, he was really good with you. You were his boy. So um, his direct actions... His direct actions after World War One, and I'm kind of skipping ahead, but we'll get back through some of this. His direct actions after World War One with the League of Nations. Um, well, I guess it was during and after, but really uh, Japan offered, they wanted to be a part of the League of Nations to help defeat Germany. They offered, they wanted to join the Allies. And uh, Wilson was very much against this because he didn't like, you know, Japanese people um, so, uh, he, he was pushing and, and making a big deal to keep them out. Uh, the Japanese forced a vote with the league of nations and they actually won the vote 11 to six, but because Wilson had bad mouthed them and basically just talking about like he did of black people, just, you know, inferior race, all the usual garbage that went along with it. Um, <clears throat> They didn't get a unanimous vote. And of course, Wilson voted against them being in the League of Nations and they were pushed aside. And that really directly led to the Japanese truly hating America and a lot of ways contributed then to uh, their entry into World War II and the bombing of Pearl Harbor. But, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't want people to in some way infer that I think it was justified. Of course, it's fucking not justified. It's just that his direct actions caused that probably could have uh, avoided a lot of uh, hatred from uh, Germany and Japan um, if he would have uh, acted with a little bit more um, brain. Although, 
not sure why he uh, anybody in Germany would have ever hated Woodrow Wilson. Uh, they wouldn't have hated him in the 30s. Let's just put it that way. In the late 20s and early 30s, they would have loved Woodrow Wilson. He would have been one of their icons, um, which an American president was president was um, a fan or they were fans of one American president. We can talk about that here in a few minutes. Anyway, um, to help get the people on board, he created the uh, CPI, the Committee on Public Information, and started a wonderful propaganda campaign through papers and on the radio and uh, through personal uh, public events. And they hired 75 men to go around and talk up how bad we needed to beat Germany uh, all over the country to gin up support for the war um, because people didn't support it and didn't know why they would want to be involved. And uh, so they went around. Um, and as usual, with all propaganda campaigns, especially Democratic propaganda campaigns in this country, of course, they lie. So they started uh, talking about uh, they got hired 75,000 men to appear for four minute speeches all over the country. A lot of these happened at like movie uh, movie, uh, yeah, like movie houses and stuff, I, the way I understand it. Uh, so they got caught lying that the Navy was out, already out sinking German subs. Um, that wasn't happening, by the way. Uh, and after they got caught in that, they uh, just kind of left that one alone and made up a fake photo of a plane that was actually being tested. Because you got to think, this is not long after the advent of the airplane. So um, not exactly had a, a huge Air Force at that point of course but anyway they show a picture of this plane that's being tested and they go ahead and say hey these planes are already headed in route to france to fight the germans um to just gin up you know public support and the reason i say this is not not because uh of any other reason but to just it's kind of a framing to let you know that a lot of the things that happen today with the fake news and and fake information to the you know populace the American people to either support or to not support different issues um, that aren't true. And you find out later aren't true or just flat out lies and all this propaganda. It has been going on for a very, very long time. And a lot of this is where you find the roots of that. Um, it's, it's a, an abhorrent practice that wasn't supposed to happen with, you know, the first amendment having a free press, but of course, people like Wilson, yeah, they hate the uh, Constitution. So why worry about uh, freedom of information? I mean, that was, um, psh, you wouldn't need any of that. Um, let's see. Oh, and this last act, and this is the part I was going to say earlier. In October 2nd of 1919, um, Wilson had a massive stroke. Uh, and was incapacitated. And this is something that's really left out of history uh, almost entirely. And really, uh, a lot of it has only come to light maybe in the maybe in the last, you know, I want to say maybe 20, 25 years is when people really start bringing it into the, uh, the common zeitgeist or whatever, I guess. Um, he had a massive stroke. He was incapacitated. So uh, his wife was just a huge, uh, as big of a... Um, <clears throat> dictatorial partner as he was 
And so instead of enacting what should have happened then, because the president was incapacitated, could not, he could not continue being the president, the vice president's supposed to take over and then the chain, you know, chain of command, all that sort of thing. Uh, basically, they colluded with Democratic senators and Democratic congressmen to basically keep it hush-hush. And his wife uh, ran the government for the last six months that he was in office. And that's why I say uh, it should end him in 1919, not 1920, because he ended he ended he stopped being president on October 7th of 1919. We know now, obviously, what strokes do to people. He had a massive stroke. He did not live long after he left office because he was uh, <laughs> had a massive stroke and was, uh, you know, a invalid. So, uh, you know, I hate to say it. I don't wish evil things on people, but it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, really. Um, maybe that was uh, karma. I think that was nature's way of uh, just letting him know that, well, you've been a uh, pure piece of crap for a very long time, and uh, we're going to put an end to that now. Anyway, going to take a quick break here and run over things real quick before I continue on with the next... Uh, my next one who you know it's really hard to distinguish between wilson and fdr who's the worst i mean you want to talk about a uh, toss-up between two uh nice guys really um yeah it is it's really a toss-up of who was the uh worst and who did the most damage i tend to think uh roosevelt did more lasting damage um politically and and economically but uh, as in damage that lasts to today with uh, racism and everything else uh, all the struggles for years uh, that would be Wilson so uh, they are definitely equal opportunity uh, garbage dumps for sure anyway I just want to remind everybody if you have somewhere that you'd like to get podcast and this podcast isn't there let me know. Just send me a message. Facebook. Email me at Eric's America Pod, all one word, at Gmail. And let me know. And we will get it there. And as always, please like, rate, and review. Um, it helps out. Gets us up the charts. More people will listen. Because, you know, it does take a while to go through and research all these things all the time. Especially for something like this uh, most destructive force in the history. Uh multi-part episodes so uh you know get more people listening more more people being interested in listening moves it up the charts kind of can move forward maybe some people will want to uh invest and make my life easier so it's not just me sitting around digging through books and watching documentaries and taking notes for days on end to get ready who knows we'll see what happens but yeah anytime uh send a message let me know what you think and definitely all more stars the more as many as they'll let you put on there will always help out very much okay we're back with arguably the worst and i say arguably because there's many that could uh take his place but the worst president in american history in my opinion in the opinion of any self-respecting conservative i would say fdr ranks at the top of the list of one of the most destructive presidents, one of the most destructive Democrats ever in history. Now, of course, many on the left, especially today's left 
and we'll we'll see and we'll talk about why uh he is their hero he is their idol their icon and uh he was always a media icon they covered for him quite a bit um obviously they worked really hard to keep hid the fact that uh, he was in a wheelchair uh he couldn't really walk he was on crutches or in a wheelchair he could not walk uh due to a um to polio that he had contracted um actually in uh his 20s uh which is really odd of course polio was a childhood disease um oh one thing i left out i want to mention this because it is kind of overlooked uh, during the first world war is when influenza hit uh, killed millions of people around the world um we didn't have lockdowns in america even under dictator wilson we did not have uh, lockdowns the way we do now and of course we didn't do it during polio which is a childhood disease which was absolutely devastating um so many kids died and it was literally killing the children of america um paralyzing and killing the children children of america and we didn't lock down then um there being a very very interesting and obvious reason why we're locking down now uh which i believe we're going to kind of take a pause on the uh, most destructive force in america for next tuesday's episode and really dig into uh, the Great Reset, which I've talked about before, kind of went over it before, but I think it really needs brought back to light now, uh, especially in light of the fact that uh, if for some stupid reason this election does not get turned uh, overturned and uh, God help us, Biden does take office in January and we do not... Uh, when the elections in Georgia, everybody needs to be well-versed on what the Great Reset is. Even if we do hold the Senate, there will be a lot of things done through fiat. And we're going to get into that Tuesday. That's my goal for Tuesday. We're going to take a pause on this and come back to it probably the following week. So any of those, anybody who thought that maybe after the election we wouldn't have plenty to talk about, trust me. There's always plenty to talk about. So now let's get into FDR. The man who... Um, wanted to be emperor or fearer of the united states he wanted so bad to be and really acted as the dictator and fearer of the u.s um he was a great admirer of mussolini uh he was not he was actually a mutual admiration between him and hitler when hitler took power um it's uh it was very disturbing very disturbing um in fact, if certain things had not taken place, I can personally tell you right now my feeling on it, and I could be wrong, I do not think we ever uh, truly invade. We never truly invade and try to crush um, crush Germany. Um, I just don't, I don't see that being uh, something that FDR really wanted to do. Um, he was fine uh, sending... Uh, you know military assets to britain uh, mostly because it really uh, helped with his uh, socialist policies in america for uh jobs and work which we're going to talk about but uh i don't see him really wanting to destroy germany uh because as we'll see here uh not exactly he was not exactly opposed to um these ideologies Okay, so FDR gets elected uh, because of the uh, depression, the crash in 1929 of the stock market, and uh, the aftermath of that, which 
was felt around the world. That needs to, that's one thing that maybe gets left out a lot that it wasn't just the U S um, yes, there was a huge crash here, but it was felt around the world. It ended up rippling out to really devastate a lot of the world from the financial crisis that uh, happened in 1929. Now, uh, because of that, of course, people want to change. They were really upset with uh, Republican Herbert Hoover and his ideas. And so they um, opted for FDR. And, you know, because he had promised to really bring America through this great crisis. Now, one thing that he left out was the fact that he was going to do this with the use of tried and true democratic methods. Use fear and intimidation to then strong arm your way into enacting policies that are not only asinine, destructive, socialist, and set yourself up as a dictator. He didn't mention that when he was obviously running for office. Um, he was a huge hypocrite. A man who said that we have nothing to fear but fear itself used fear um, as his biggest tactic to keep, uh, to keep his policies moving forward and to uh, move the U.S. into a fascistic, which is what he wanted, was a more fascistic, a more, uh, not even a socialist, it was a communistic, uh, fascistic uh, form of economy and government. That's what he really, truly wanted. That's what he worked to do. Uh, some of his great achievements. Of course, everybody remembers him for the New Deal. And everybody, and still, even when I was in school, everybody lauded the New Deal. This is what brought us through the Great Depression, um, which is a complete and utter load of garbage. Complete and load, load of crap. Uh, the New Deal did not get us through the Depression. Okay? Uh, at no point from 1933 to 1941 did unemployment drop below 14.9% or 14.3, excuse me, I have to correct that 14.3% unemployment in the U.S. did not drop through his eight years. Okay. First two terms. Thanks to FDR, we have the 22nd amendment before FDR all the other presidents had always observed the two term precedent that had been set by George Washington, who willingly left after two terms. He said, you know, the U S did not need a dictator, did not need a King. That was not our form of government and that there should be citizen leaders, you know, common man should be able to be elected to the highest office. Uh, there should not be any criteria other than the criteria of age that they thought was uh, needed for the mature maturity that you would need to then uh, run as the uh, president of the United States. And he thought two terms were should be appropriate. And that's what George Washington did. Everyone after that kind of said, okay, we're going to follow that precedent of the great George Washington. That's what we're going to do. FDR said, no, I would just like to be emperor or fearer. So, um, you know, uh, he ran and was elected for a third term, the only three-term president in American history and led to the 22nd Amendment, making that illegal to do anymore. You're not allowed to run uh, to be president for more than two terms. Okay, so um, thanks for giving us that. Um, he set up uh, Social Security, which was part of the New Deal. And he set it up in such a way, and this is this is kind of the insidious part of it. This is what we still struggle with today with it. Okay, 
He set it up in such a way, the way it is set up now, that the people working today are basically paying for the people who are on Social Security right now. We are not paying in for our own Social Security as you work. You're paying for the people that are now. Yes, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yes, it's a pyramid scheme. Yes, I realize this. Why is it set up that way? It's set up that way because he knew that people would get tired of this. He knew people would get fed up with it. And he didn't want the ability for people that were working to say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to save my own money. I'm just going to save my own money. I, you know, I know better what to do with my money than you do. So I'm just going to save my own money. It'll be there for my retirement when I retire and uh, the government can uh, fuck off. Well, uh, by setting it up this way and in a roundabout way, uh, it really doesn't allow you to do that. Number one, it's illegal not to pay in uh, with through taxation, you know basically. And two, you're not paying into your own, even though you're told you are, you're basically paying for the people now. So it all depends on people constantly working endlessly till the end of time to keep paying for it. It is a convoluted system, but it's set up that way. So therefore it's harder to get rid of. Yes. Uh, many policies uh, that he undertook were very, uh, very interesting. He was a communist slash fascist to the core, uh, a race racist, uh, pretty much spineless in a lot of ways and uh, a travesty of American history. Now that, no, I know that goes against everything you were probably taught in American history while you're in school. FDR is the, oh, he's just this great president. He's just so, oh, he's just revered. He's amazing. Guy. Yeah, all that crap. Yeah, let's scratch all that. Let's talk about the truth. Here we go. Um, he um, enacted very soon one of his first things he did now this is truly di dictatorial garbage uh one of his first acts day one uh, a lot like what they're talking about for biden he has his list of things he wants to do day one day one uh he made owning gold private private ownership of gold illegal in the u.s okay there were people that had gold hoarded it because of the depression and recession that was going on at the time and that way they could be safe to uh you know, to hedge, to be able to survive. Uh, this was then deemed illegal. We couldn't have that. No, we can't have some people who prepared or, or better prepared than others, obviously. So now we're going to go in and he enacted it to be illegal to have private ownership of gold and send out government agents to then uh, illegally search and seize. I mean, the Constitution hasn't meant a lot to Democrats since its inception. Obviously, it didn't to FDR uh, to go into private homes and confiscate and private businesses to confiscate any privately owned gold. Yes, uh, such a good guy. Such a, you know, just such a warrior for the people. Um, so, uh, and I already talked about that um, uh, 33 to 41, uh, unemployment never dropped below 14.3%. In fact, in 37 and 38, um, it actually, uh, the stimulus money that he was trying to pump in by stealing everybody's gold, uh, a very, very uh, Andrew Yang kind of idea, you know, uh, steal people's money and then tell them they're giving it back to them. It's a whole deal. Um, the stimulus money had ran out because he had already been reelected at that point. The election was over. Um so the stimulus money ran out and it actually ballooned to 19% um, <laughs> that uh, didn't help anything. Uh, so his crazy policies, and uh, this is very, uh, very true that these policies have now been handed down. And I have to make this, his economic theories 
were so bad, okay? Uh, it's generally accepted now, I mean, at least on the right, that obviously his stupid economic policies and plans and schemes uh, basically prolonged the Great Depression many, many years longer than it ever needed to be. It could have been, there could have been a recovery much sooner. Most definitely could have been a uh, recovery much sooner. Uh, but through his insane policies, uh, it made it impossible. And some of these theories that are, you know, almost, it's its crazy because you hear some of these theories that will go through and you say, man, you know, that stuff's stupid. But these are the same policies. I mean, where do you think, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and Biden and AOC and Elizabeth Warren, where do you think they get these stupid ideas? I mean, they're not even smart enough to come up with their own dumb ideas. They had to steal them from FDR. Everybody just worships the the uh, ground that FDR walked on. And he was absolutely, uh, these policies, absolutely stupid. So the the theory they had and this makes no sense but you know that was the theory they were pushing was that the great depression continued on and prices had dropped see the whole thing is the prices dropped i mean prices on everything dropped because no one was making any money you know the the financial market the financing behind things had had kind of uh, had went down so far that things were getting cheaper the only problem was it was because nobody, you know, nobody had capital to keep working. They didn't have the capital to keep producing things, you know, at a certain rate. And and prices were dropping because people just wanted to, uh, you know, that was the results of the uh, Great Depression was, uh, you know, basically the bottom fell out of everything, including, you know, housing and, and services, everything. So uh, their theory was that was not what was happening. What was happening was prices were dropping and that was had what, been what caused the Great Depression. Complete reversal, complete opposite of the truth. <clears throat> the bottom out, bottoming out of prices was a result of the Depression. They said it was the cause. So they go in to start government control and arbitration and going to make this work going to fix it. So they started doing the classic communist socialist plan, which is create fake shortages. We got to create demand and lower the supply. So these things can be sold at a higher price. Yes. The basic idea of why drug dealers make so much money. Well, it's because there's not a huge supply of it around and some people want it really, really bad. So they'll pay whatever for it. Yes. That was the government stepping in to create fake shortages to then drive the prices up. Does it hurt the common, you know, ordinary person? Well, of course it does. Uh, does it fix the economy? Of course it doesn't. It's ridiculous. But these are the kind of things they enacted. Very communist policies. Um, so later on, uh, or actually later in the first uh, year of his presidency, the Democratic controlled um, Congress. House of Representatives and Senate gave him the uh, AAA, the Agricultural Agricultural Adjustment Act. Now, I want to run over this history real quick. So, because there was a Republican, because of what was going on, and the Democrats, of course, latched onto it just as they did this last 2020 with the coronavirus, 
uh, they latched onto that and used it. You know, never let a crisis go to waste. They used it and said that it was the Republicans and Republican policies. That's what had created the the Great Depression. Everybody was suffering because that's why they called them Hoovervilles uh, for the people that were out of work and everything because of the Depression and the collapse of the market. They blamed it on Herbert Hoover and, you know, all the Republicans basically lost the election. And, and many, uh, you know, the Democrats took full control of the government. Uh, at that point because of the Great Depression. And, of course, they pushed it that, you know, the Republicans were responsible for this. You're miserable because of them. How many times do we hear that this year? If you're feeling bad, if you're feeling rough, you know, it's all Trump's fault. Trump's fault for everything. Uh, Some guy in, uh, you know, Timbuktu or whatever did something bad. Well, that's Trump's fault, you know. So, yeah, they did the same thing. So they took over and they gave him the Agricultural Adjustment Act, um, which basically they then uh used to restrict production per acre and basically hamstring farmers and ranchers and say hey listen you're producing too much food you know i know you need to make money and since things are going for a lot lower price right now because the financial our economics uh system our economic system is uh in rough shape uh things don't sell for that much because people don't have money hmm well that seems to make sense but they you know, like I said, they had it completely ass backwards. They said, well, you're just producing too much. So we're going to subsidize it. This is a lot what China does now. They, they've they done this for a long time. They subsidize the company so the company can sell something cheaper. This is sort of the same kind of communist action where they said, listen, we're going to pay you not to work. We're going to pay you not to produce so much. So there'll be a scarcity. And so the price can go up and then everything It's going to fix this, the market. It's going to fix everything. Uh, which is absolutely just asinine. But anyway, they would do things like, of course, pay farmers not to plant crops uh, in certain fields, only allow them to have so much production per acre. Um, They would come in and uh, literally they came in and said they were going to buy cattle. And basically the idea was they were going to then slaughter the cattle and produce the meat for the people that were homeless and struggling during the time of the Depression. What they did was then pay the farmer uh, pennies on the dollar what this stuff was worth and then when the farmer or the ranchers or farmers figured out they were just destroying it and killing the cattle and putting them in mass graves so they could create a shortage they would ask well hey you know hey can i just keep a couple cattle and i'll slaughter them myself for for us to eat you know that will save save me and i can you know get ahead and of course they weren't allowed to because of these insane policies uh they were told no i mean we'll give you the money you have to use that money to go to the store and buy meat that is stamped with uh you know usda um you have to go buy that from the store because you have to stimulate the economy uh we're just going to go push these cows into a mass grave and waste all this food uh because you're helping america yeah so as a result of this stupidity uh for many many years a whole lot of Americans starved. I mean, there was a huge food shortage for a long time that did not have to be. This was just the insanity of his spending. Okay, of course, he uh, got rid of the gold standard so they could uh, print more money to give to all these crazy stimulus plans and, of course, create fake shortages and try to keep everybody um, dependent. To move more Americans onto Uh, government uh, dependency they then created um, all the government agencies you know to create work he used this he wielded the power of doing government contracted work and working for the government um, 
probably better than any other uh, politician ever has. So basically, if it was getting close to an election year, wherever places there would be swing states, there would be be great uh, government projects started and they would hire a whole bunch of people to do basically nothing. Uh, Really brought up about the phrase of good enough for government work uh, that we still talk about now, joke about now, because they were stupid projects that weren't expected to get done or never get get done that well. Um, many of it, most of it, a lot of times were just pointless things like, well, we're going to dig this ditch for, you know, three miles. And as soon as it's done being dug, we need to cover it back up. Um, just a reason to have people dependent on the government and give people work and then only do it in certain swing areas when it was necessary. So therefore, uh, to gain votes, um, also very uh, famously uh, promised uh, black Americans that uh, he was going to bring them in on the new deal. They were going to be part of this new deal and they were going to be guaranteed work through these government contracts. We're going to do all this infrastructure everywhere. We're going to build all these things and everybody's going to work and we're going to bring everybody uh, out of poverty and all this uh, and then turned around and uh, promised the uh, KKK that he was in bed with and many of the uh, racist bigot Democrats uh, and we're just not going to hire them that much. I just told them that so they'd vote for me. Um, and yeah, we're not really going to hire that many. And if we do, let's give them the worst, dirtiest, horrible, most horrible, low paying part of the job, uh, that you can. And that'll make you happy because you know, you're white supremacist and, uh, that's your thing. And I'm, I'm on board with you. Um, he appointed, um, the leader of the KKK. Uh, as the chief justice to the uh, Supreme Court. He tried to pack the Supreme Court, which they're talking about today, um, which actually even his own party said, well, listen, we can't even, we can't, you're going way too far left, which, you know, uh, today they would approve. Now, then they did not. Um, they actually rejected that. He wanted to add six more justices. His, um, his whole point for that was a lot of the justices that were conservatives on the court were old. And so he wanted to appoint ones in waiting, um, to go ahead and get them in there so they can be working alongside. Yeah. It was a whole big convoluted thing to pack the Supreme court. Um, and then basically he appointed the, um, chief justice as KKK member that would align with his new deal and not strike it down because it was wholly unconstitutional. Yes, 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 yes. Um, all kinds of government agencies. He created a mass bureaucracy and grew the government more than probably any administration, uh, until Barack Obama. Uh, he had the defense production act, uh, where he had the, uh, a whole administration that just sat around and decided what companies were going to build what. And of course, that's why he had no problem with supplying, uh, Britain and allies with, military equipment because it gave him more military, more government money to be spent buying people's work, basically getting more people dependent on a government paycheck. And that was, uh, you know, that was a big part of, um, you know, big part of him trying to move to a socialist communist, uh, ideology. Um, millions and millions of bureaucrats. I mean, he had so many bureaucratic agencies to regulate, regulate everything through all these different, uh, agencies through AAA, through the, uh, there was the WTO through defense production. I mean, literally just grew the, 
government so big with all these bureaucrats that, you know, had their little tyrant, their little, you know, fiefdoms to go and, uh, you know, regulate the farmers and regulate the factory workers and regulate uh, the uh, producers of all different types of things. He was growing. And in fact, if World War II, if he hadn't died and World War II ended, and a lot of these things started scaling back. Um, he would have pushed America completely into a socialist uh, hellhole. That's that's the direction FDR was going, and he loved it uh, through the National Recovery Administration to control every business, ensure Americans needed the highest prices possible produced by the least amount of work. That was his policy, and try to make it uh, nationwide. And like I said, where do you think AOC and Bernie and all these people get their stupid ideas? These people aren't smart enough to come up with these bad ideas on their own. FDR came up with it for them and enacted it uh, almost 100 years ago. Uh, thank God a lot of them did come to an end. Um, the idea was to bring Mussolini's and uh, Hitler's corporatism to America. And this is what they're talking about now with the Great Reset. We're going to go into that next Tuesday because it's very, very important. That's why I really want to cover FDR today. Very, very important. The whole idea was to get this all implemented sideways. You don't come in one day and just march the troops out in jackboots and say, yeah, we're closing down all the factories. The government now owns them. It was basically by enacting boards and administrations and, and bureaucracy to regulate everything till you had full control, whether through taxes or regulations or or whatever, uh, to then control the entire economy. So there the people in the government and the elites can then basically control everyone's life down to the littlest, littlest details of life. That was the idea of fascism and corporatism of Hitler and Mussolini, great admirers of FDR. FDR was pretty damned uh, big admirers of them as well. And so uh, through these agencies, there were all kinds of, like I said, all kinds of abuses and and basically on our way to socialism prolonged uh, the uh, depression. Many, many years past what it should have been. And if he would have been able to keep staying in power after World War II, we would have went right back. We would have went right back into the depression and kept on with all this. Uh, the media loved FDR. They always covered for him. Always lauded him as just, oh, revered him like he was almost a god which is just nauseating, I'm sure, for people at the time. Uh, of course, they hid the fact that he was paralyzed and in a wheelchair. They also uh, covered for the fact that, um, according to history or whatever, he had sinusitis, he had sinus problems, and, of course, was prescribed cocaine for these uh, uh, problems and had a doctor, the White House doctor came and administered it to him a couple times a day, the way I understood, administered cocaine to help with his sinuses, which I hear is really good for your sinuses. Um, so, of course, after he got his uh, sinus um, medicine every day, of course, he was high. Um, and this caused a problem from time to time. And one of the most notorious times is after the attack, which was yesterday was the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, December 7th, 1941. 
Uh, he did not address the nation right after that. Eleanor did. Because he had just got a sinus treatment and was too high and did not feel comfortable addressing the American people. What a guy. What a guy. What a nice, wonderful guy. Um, of course, in the usual fashion, he had several mistresses, Lucy uh, Mercer and uh, Marguerite Hand, uh, among some other ones. Um, and so did Eleanor. So, I mean, they were actually swingers before they were, uh, it was really a widely, I mean, a widely known thing for swinging. Um, and, um, yeah, it's so many things started because of him. So much damage was done. So many agencies were brought about to really start regulating every part of our economy that we still deal with in a lot of ways today. Now, do there need to be some safeguards and some guardrails to things? I think we can all agree that there should be. But many, many of the things that he did then, obviously, um, were hugely detrimental and pushed us so far to being a socialist society that, I mean, it was terrifying. And I'm glad a lot of it, you know, got weaned off. But there's still a huge part of bureaucracy that exists today that really shouldn't. And a lot of it is the legacy of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I don't believe without the attack at Pearl Harbor, I don't believe FDR would have ever invaded. I think he would have kept sending equipment and planes, everything he could, uh, ammunition, kept the government jobs going, government contracts going, and regulating everything into the ground in America and stayed out of the war. He was no friend of black America. He uh, aligned himself with KKK members. He would not condemn lynchings. He uh, did not condemn segregation. He was, he was a racist. He also was no friend to the Jews. There was a quota that they were supposed to meet every year for intake of refugees coming from Europe because, of course, there was intelligence that they were being slaughtered in mass in Germany. Now, it hadn't been proven yet, and Franklin uh, Roosevelt took a very long time. He wielded influence over the papers because he was a Democrat and the um, media you know, did what he wanted. Uh, he was able to bury that story until it absolutely couldn't be hidden any longer that they were killing Jews by in mass in Germany. So um, he hid that for a long time. He turned away ships of Jewish refugees and sent them back to Germany. And obviously they were more than likely slaughtered uh, because he didn't care for them. He rounded up and put the Japanese in concentration camps, even though most of them wanted to volunteer to fight Imperial Japan. Um, he was a dictator. He was a communist, a socialist, who tried to push America as far as he could. And now today, they are bragging that Biden and the people, his brain trust around him, the AOCs and Elizabeth Warrens, and Bernie Sanders are saying he uh, that Biden could possibly be further left and more progressive than FDR. That is the most terrifying statement anyone could ever make to me because he was absolutely the worst president. Yes, we got through World War II, but that has a lot more to do with the American people and the American spirit 
than anything to do with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This episode has ran way too long, so I'm going to have to wrap it up. Uh, the one last thing I'll touch on really quick, the list of known and found out to be uh, communist spies and communist agents that were found to be in Roosevelt's cabinet and through all these administrations and throughout the government. Um, today it's mirrored by the socialists, uh, the socialists of America, the uh, democratic socialists of America, the American communist party, all these people found their way into government jobs. Um, this was a trend started by FDR. Uh, the list is really, really long. I can't even read it all. Um, needless to say, uh, prominent people that were then found to um, were either jailed because of subversive activities or uh, found to be linked to spy rings and uh, found out to later be uh, brought before the uh, McCarthy hearings, which were brought about because of Roosevelt and all these uh, communists and spies that were found to be in his government. Um, I have two pages of names written uh, well over probably there's probably a hundred uh, people that were in places of prominence in the cabinets. Uh, one, uh, John Jacob Abt, um, he was linked to a uh, the KGB or the former KGB. It was uh, the group that turned into the KGB. He was actually a personal lover of Eleanor Roosevelt, um, was later caught on a bug by the um, Secret Service that were bugging him because he was... Uh, participating in spying uh, or yeah for com uh, for russia and the communists um and they overheard him having sex with eleanor on their bug while they were trying to gather evidence to prosecute him for treason and subversion um but yeah there were lists that worked uh in all the different administrations and in the personal cabinet of fdr all these people were end up being connected directly to uh the russian government or uh, the Communist Party of the U.S. It's it's an amazing, amazing thing. I can't get into it because I went way over time today. It's crazy. But check it out for yourself because it will blow your mind. There's a reason that when the bomb finally dropped in Japan, uh, it did not, or not the ones in Japan, but the uh, tests that went on uh, in the Nevada desert. Um, Stalin knew about all the... Uh, knew about all of it in real time because there were so many communists and so many spies working in the government as friends of FDR and carried over that they were just as well informed as we were. So very, very, uh, very interesting. Anyway, I'm going to have to finish this up for today. Please remember to like and review more stars, the better. And don't forget to check out Thursday's episode coming up because we are going to cover election fraud as we have been and go into depth and learn all we can. And hopefully we'll have even more good news by then. Until Thursday, just remember, it's no agenda, just 